Welcome to the Anime Research Group. With so much anime produced each season, many interesting shows just slip through the cracks and don't get the fair hearing they deserve. I'm Ian. I'm Denny. I'm Freya. And each week we get together to give one show its chance, watch the first few episodes, and discuss what we thought of it. And this week we're turning our attention to Eren, a 2009 anime based on a novel by Nahoko Uehashi. Kimono no Soja, or The Beast Player Eren, ran from January 10th, 2009 until December 26th, 2009. It ran for a total of 50 episodes, and it was made by Production IG. The same people made uh, who made Ghost Hound and mostly known for Ghost in the Shell. And also a studio called Trans Arts, on which I was able to find very little on. As Ian has said, it was based on a novel by Nahoko Uyashi, uh, which was composed of four volumes. She was she is a professor of ethnology, indicating her interest in more in, in indigenous people, as seen in this show and some of her other works, such as the Mori Beater series, which is our most well-known work uh, set in a fantasy Asia, also about warring states. It also had an eleven-volume manga, and the anime, novel, and manga all focus on a girl called Aram, who wants to grow up to become the best of the Beast Doctors, uh, people who seem to be raising, interacting, and taking care of fantasy creatures that are used in a kind of Incan feudal Japan setting, looks very heavily inspired by South American culture. Uh, the anime was directed by Takayuki Hamana, and on that note, Freya? Yes, here we go, turning to uh, our director, Takayuki Hamana, who, um, no offense to him, I will describe him as a production IG jobber. <laughs> He's had consistent work over the years. I think pretty much all of them are at production IG, and they're all uh, lesser known shows by them. So a person who didn't want to give him any credit would call him the B-team director, I suppose. Let's look at his works. Ace of Diamond OVA. I have no idea if it's good. Appleseed, probably not good because it's Appleseed. Which, which which Appleseed? 13. 13. He seems to have done a lot of key animation and occasional unit director, but actual the director of the being the director of a project seems a little bit rarer. No, he's he's no, he's done a lot of um, projects. They're just none of them are famous. Uh, Edit him job a show called Library War. Oh, Tushikan Senso, one of those shows that. I was when I was younger. I was like, "Yes, this sounds like a great thing to watch." Library war where the libraries protect information from being uh, suppressed by the government, which sounds so. It's read or die. No, 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 no. It's it, the, the the premise is even stupid. Is like it's not as good as the or die, yeah. which is a much, in many ways, stupider premise, but better for it. There was a Parappa the Rapper TV show? Yes. What the fuck is wrong with Japan? <laughs> it's fucking Parappa the Rapper. He's directed two Nanaha films. I don't know if they're sequels or compilations. Um, and I don't think any of us have seen Nanaha, so... Nope. Rip. He's directed a Prince of Tennis show. The early 2000s one. He's even directing a show this season... Yes, I don't, I don't know when this podcast episode is going to get released, so that's January. Sorceress Stabber Orphan. Denny, you watched an episode of that. Yes, literally today as we're recording this. And it was all right, and that's giving it some benefit. Our uh, series composer, aka head writer, has worked with our uh, director on a few things. He did Ace of Diamond OVA and Appleseed 13. 
Um, his work outside of that uh, does not inspire confidence. So you would say this is another production IG jobber? Yes. Um, he directed and wrote Blood Plus. Um, he wrote Blood Sea. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote the additional episodes of uh, Ghost in the Shell Arise when they turned it into a normal TV show, and those weren't very good. <laughs> he did write the scripts for 10 episodes of Standalone Complex. I can't remember which ones they are off the top of my head. Oh, he even wrote some Pokemon episodes. Yes, Pokemon Sun and Moon, episode 28. <laughs> look, look, I've probably seen this. I've probably seen this episode. Not much to say about our um, our friends here. I guess we'll talk about the directing later. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really a lot to say. I just want to, I just want to like, stop here. Like, just for a second. Shout out to uh, my anime list user, uh, Arkeion. For... Oh, that guy. Doing all the reviews on the stuff I'm doing, and for them all being ridiculously long. And yes. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to say good or well thought out, but they're there. Uh, <laughs> he's kind of infamous because he's like reviewed loads of things on Mal, and he writes really long, in-depth stuff. And he's only given two shows a ten. Which ones? Mushishi. Mononoke, I think. Anyway, we can resume now. I just want to shout out that guy because <laughs> yes. I just kept seeing his name on all these pages and it was just <laughs> hilarious. Uh. All right, I will move on to the episode summary unless. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Okay. I guess the only sort of question I had is like, do we know like what the involvement uh, Uehashi had in the writing of this or of the manga? Um. I didn't really find her. So we don't know. Okay. She's easily much more interesting than either of our um, yeah. uh, main creative staff here. But oh well, I guess we can talk about it more later. So first we begin with a... Um, this is the second, second, second show uh, with this that we've had on this podcast. We have a 30-second explain the uh, the history of the world at the beginning of every episode. Which is not very common anymore, but we already talked about that with Toward the Terror. With this one, I was really not into it. It was, it was just like, yeah, move on with it. I don't, I don't care. Like, there's a queen, there's a duke. I think, I think the anime would have been better if we just started with a little village. Yes. Because that's the one thing. After that, we get like a... Um, a battle scene between the uh, one of the name of the countries, the main con- the main country that I suppose the village is in is Yuje. Do we even find that out in these three episodes? And if we do, it's only mentioned like once. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I don't remember. But the the original god king of it was called Jay. So, and the other one is Alahan, and we definitely didn't hear that. Mm. No, Yuje seems to have a. Less soldiers, but they have the advantage of having um, Todas. Pokemon. No, yeah. they have the advantage of having Toda, which are, I guess I'll describe them as enormous kimono dragons with um, with manes of hair. They're definitely closer to dragons in the Western sense, I think, yes. than the traditional Eastern dragon. I think Yu-Gi-Oh cards are still the best way to describe them because they're a bit too aggressive and spiky to be uh, to be Pokemon. They're a bit too not cute. Also, we we only really see one version of it. There seems to be Toda seems to be a specific race of animal. It's not like there's a lot of them. There's only like one kind of Toda, as far as we can tell. 
at least for now. Which is better, to be honest. Uh, and they wipe the floor with their opponents. And I guess after that pointless intro, which I guess is just establishing that there's a, there's a war going on. There's always a war going on. Which I don't know if we needed to see it, to be honest. Uh, anyway. I don't think so. We get introduced to the uh, the village where all three episodes took place, where our heroine lives, um, and her mother, Soyon, which I'm guessing is a Japaneseization of a Korean name. Mm. At, le- at least it sounds that way. I I, I it, the, like this is the this was the uh, the impression I kind of got based on like the writings we saw in the book is that this is vaguely Koreanish. Yes. And if you take um, just the name of the of the country, like you could say it's like maybe it's a riff on like Joseon or something. Yeah, that's one thing because you you talked about the sort of South American influence earlier. I think it is definitely much more directly inspired by Korea, uh, middle middle aged Korean um, architecture. That's that's certainly a possibility. Like I'm not too familiar with. Um... With South Korean Middle Age architecture, it's just from the visual clues I picked up on, like the terraces, the stone walls, uh, hey, like when we saw the temple. Hey, what? There was no South Korea back then. Did I say South Korea? Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I apologize. Just Korean, Korean um, architecture, but yeah, like the walls, the the, the stone terraces, the uh, the canals. I mean, it's a mix of things because yeah. um, the the soldiers looked more um, more like. Uh, warring, well, Japanese, I guess. I'm talking like I'm an expert on uh, medieval um, East Asia. (laughs) 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 But I I am not. Yeah. Well, the way the general was sitting uh, at the battle was most definitely classical feudal Japanese. Don't you mean the Grand Duke? The Grand Duke, yes. Yes. The Grand Duchy. (laughs) Yeah, Okay, I'm just going to have my little uh, mini rant about subtitling now, or should I do it later? We'll do it later. Um, anyway, we get introduced to Erin and her, her mum. The only two real characters we meet. Basically. I can't remember what they're doing at the start of the episode, and Wikipedia doesn't tell me. Uh, they're, they're gathering stuff. Yeah, they're making polish. Yes, they're making polish to polish the Toda, which is very funny out of context. And Erin is, well, the immediate thing we, we get established is that she's very inquisitive. She's discount Yotsuba. Like, I was wondering how long it'd be before you made a reference to Yotsuba based solely on her hairstyle. Yeah. <laughs> the, gr- the green twin, t- short, stubby twin tails. Yes. I mean, she's, she's the Ghibli girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a bit too smart for her own good. You're always getting into trouble. She's too inquisitive. But yeah, the first episode is mostly there's a baby Toda in town. Her mother is like the village expert on Todas and well, she looks after them. And the little one goes missing. Oh no, big disaster. The little one looks more like a Pokemon. Um, that one, yeah, yeah, certainly. Or the How to Train a Dragon Dragon. Yes, all that. It goes missing and Erin uh, and her two friends I don't remember if they uh, I don't remember their names. Boy A and Girl A. Cowardly boy and girl who I don't remember any of her personality. Girl with a flower in her hair. So they go looking for the, well, the whole village goes looking for the missing baby, but they find it in the, the sort of caverns, I guess, where they hear the Toda sleep. Um, they find it hiding in a hole in the wall. 
They rescue it. The adult totally comes in and is going to attack Erin, and then her mom shows up and blows her uh, whistle. You mean she uses time stop? She uses the world? Because as she blows the whistle, the uh, the entire anime turns JoJo colors, and yes. the world freezes, and then the Toda just kind of falls falls not really unconscious, but the whistling seems to completely paralyze them. I'm going to just say that the whole scene had Final Fantasy music playing or battle music playing over yes. it, just because that's entirely what that scene needed. Yes. In general, this whole anime seems like it's a a spin-off Nino Kuni game. With the way the characters are so heavily Ghibli inspired, the music, the actual setting and setup. The setting is more grounded than Nino Kuni. Certainly, certainly. But it's it's already got the fantasy creatures. I don't think it would take a lot for me to convince me that there's a lot more fantasy creatures out there that we haven't seen. Uh, well, there's the 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 winged um, griffin type creature in the uh, opening. That basically that basically takes us to the end of the first episode because the only sort of thing we haven't mentioned is the sort of subplot. Where the mother seems to be the one being held responsible uh, for the care of these creatures. Yes, it's not really specified what the punishment is, but like the the vague overtones sounds like they're like, "Well, you were you were bad, so we're gonna have to murder you." Uh, level Execution. of severity, yeah. uh, rather than the we're gonna like send you to the naughty corner of the village. Uh, also, there seems to be quite a lot of racism going on against both Erin and her mother. It gets established that Erin and her mom are um, missed people, and they use a, they use an actual like um, name for them later, but I don't remember what it is. Um, you can tell the missed people visually because they have the soulless green eyes. Yes, and the green hair. As a first, as first episodes go, honestly, this one was all right. It was fine. The same goes for the, the second and third episode. There wasn't really anything that, that would have... It should have cut out the like first minute or so. Definitely. It, definitely. The, the, the thing that like is grabbing me before we sort of get onto it is that there definitely seems to be heading for a very much like the episodic structure of uh, children's anime. Mm-mm. Yes, at least at first. I gather this has a long-form arc in the general. Yeah, 50 episodes. I think it's one big story arc. But I'm I'm guessing that was more um more prevalent in the novels, and they've just chosen to make this a very lengthy adaptation. Yeah, I I I should, yeah, like I say, I don't I don't mean that in the Simpsons sense of yes, if the yes. universe gets reset uh, during the gap. Like there is continuity, but it definitely seems to be like, well, we've got to tie it all up in uh, twenty two minutes, yeah. otherwise people will forget. So as for the sort of second episode, that one uh, takes a new plot where one of the Toda is getting sick because of unknown reasons. But yeah. like as Erin and Saju and the other one uh, like find uh, it's because of this poisonous plant. Uh... Which was called Capricide. Hmm. Which is very on the nose, and I don't know why they couldn't think of a a better translation for it than goat kill, goat death. Honestly, not a lot happened in the second episode. Like, you you probably could have cut it out completely, and the only thing that really happens at the end is that Soyeon decides to teach Eren, but he could have had that move, that revelation at the end of the 
the first episode and kind of cut the entire second episode. We did get we did get a bit more of the relationship between Soyon and Eren, which honestly was my favorite was my favorite part of the show. But I guess we'll talk about that later. Mm. Well, like I say, it because like in this case, the poisoning seems to come out kind of willfully, uh, based but from Wadan. Wadan, yes, he like yeah, he's kind of like the cartoon villain who is there to uh, kind of incompetent. Yeah, but like, also just just a dick for no apparent reason. It's because he's the straight white man. Uh, he's a straight Japanese man, and they're Korean, so he's naturally not going to be blamed for whatever mistakes happen to him. Whereas they're treated very harshly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just yes. it's just got got to got to oppress those and miss people. <laughs> it's weird framing because it like the first episode just makes it out that he's uh, incompetent and also racist, but um. But then in the second one, when they show him putting the um, the capricide laced water, that's not the right word, but whatever, in the thing's um, bath, he's like smiling when he's doing it, and he looks really like, <laughs> like cartoon villainy. I'm going to get that little girl's mother executed. It's, uh, it's weird. Anyway, that was the pointless aside. I think the, the comment I had about that entire episode is that it felt very Ace Attorney game uh, style. There was even a where... moment where. Erin sits there with the music playing and just kind of like, this is where she puts all the clues together and then she turns around and says, hold it! And Erin starts to really express interest in uh, looking after um, well, certainly Toda, but I guess animals in general and her mom's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to teach you about this. Even though I'm probably oh, even though I'm probably going to die in a few episodes. Um... You're, read- you're reading my books, I may as well not like cluck uh, with disapproval as you do it. Otherwise, you're just gonna get yourself killed. The third episode, I guess, introduces more of the political stuff. We get introduced to the Grand Duke properly, who I guess is in charge of the region of the country that Aaron's village is in. Um, mm. it, the Grand Duke is like the shogun uh, to the emperor being the queen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Though it's not sure, it's not clear where the power power dynamic lies between them. However, his design just screams evil with like uh, no, 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 shoulder no, no. length blonde hair. No, 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 the no, Grand Duke no, 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 no. is the bearded. Oh yes, yes, that's right. Why was I the, thinking the, that was the Grand, the Grand Duke? Duke is the Dragon Quest reject? Yes, um, yes, you're right. God, that's my mistake. Um, he's uh, sort of a hard hardline military man, I guess. That's all I can really say about him. Um, he has a big sword. We get introduced to Damia, the he's like the nephew of he's like the nephew of like the queen. Yeah, who? Well, now you can say a bit about. As he looks like a Ghibli villain with shoulder length blonde hair, slanted eyes, which are also dead and orange. He's clearly taken time out from playing Jafar in the Panto. Yeah, well. And if he was allowed to be on his own, he'd be chuckling evil, evilly, somewhere in a corner. Yes. He's voiced by the only person I recognized, uh, which is Akira Ishida, the voice of Kaoru, and other famous people that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, yes, the Persona 3 protagonist. Yeah, that was probably his most famous. The actual plot of the episode mostly just involves kind of a um, the Grand Duke and Damien arriving at the village where the people put on a show with Toda to show off how well they're trained as military beasts. 
Well, it's the it's the Duke's sons showing off uh, if how their riding skills, I suppose. Like it looks hilarious when you see the CGI beasts running down like a mountain yes. and then jumping. It's really quite funny to watch. And not sliding down the car chutes. In they, the just, they just run. It's, <laughs> yes. It's like, what's the point in the chutes? At this point, we've already seen the use of these silent whistles to partially tame the Toda, but in this one, we see it a little bit more, and we learn about how, um, like, their ears are, like, grown covered, but as part of the uh, domestication process, they have to, like... Uh, Cut them off. Yeah, they, they remove the, like, the skin of the quote-unquote earweb. Yes. Uh, so that they can control them, I guess. One of one of the Toad uh, that's carrying one of the Duke's sons goes berserk. Mm-hmm. I honestly can't remember why. For no reason, I think. Okay, enough for no reason. All right, that's fine then. And then, obviously, uh, Soryon has to come in and calm it down with her whistle. No, she doesn't come in. Doesn't it's she? The, it's, it's the two sons. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah. You can tell my concentration was waning by that point. Yes, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, like the final part of that episode, uh, there is a small, um, adorable Toda called Lulu that they've been looking after. That well, the Aaron has been sort of like looking after. Yes, and they need to accelerate the breeding process, and for some reason that involves clipping the the, the Toda's earwebs now because yeah. that will make them grow faster. And Aaron's not very happy about it. Yeah, it's also framed quite brutally. Like, like the like it's framed like they're about to murder her. Like we see the 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 thing the Toda being held down by like four people, and then we see the scissors slowly approaching. Yeah, it's it's shivering. It like focuses heavily on the face and the eyes, and then we only like yeah, like we get the only the scissors up against the wall with the light behind it, and, and then we hear like a. And Aaron um, is not very upset. I mean, not very happy without the Toter being used in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is like, wants to understand how they feel about it. So, yes. Very, very slow burn uh, show. I mean, is there much to go on thematically here in, this, in these three episodes? Besides that, using using animals to fight in your war doesn't seem to be a good thing, and what Anna's an asshole. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the classic kids good, adults bad dynamic that's going to go on. I don't know that, like, it, well, obviously we've only seen three episodes, we don't know go on, but I feel like we get a lot of that, and it's just like, well, kids, they really know the truth of what's going on in this world, because they don't see other things being used for their profit. I mean, Soyeon seems to be unable, her mother seems to be unable to do anything without Aaron and running in and accidentally solving the case. Soyeon's also the sort of um, stuck in the like, well, I've been part of the system for a while, so I don't like it, but I accept it uh, type mm. role. Um, yeah, she's been beaten down. Yes. I guess it's most these episodes were mostly establishing stuff that I guess is going to come up later. Like yeah. The, um, like Aaron's going to go through a coming of age. I'm going to become an important part of uh, history. Type I think there's story. like two, yeah, two time skips in the show later on. From what I've read. Oh, okay. Um, we're establishing that there's some uh, poor racial dynamics in this society. Well, like, uh, let's let's phrase it this way. Uh, like, if you were writing this show, what would you write? Like, 
how would you write it to go? Like, this is definitely for me the like, and Eren is going to have to leave the village with Lulu. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I don't think that's actually what happens, but that I, that's that's how I would write it. I mean that that's the that's the that's the standard plot. I would I wouldn't mind just having a, a yeah the war keeps going on in the background and we'll have to deal with it, but she just stays in the village and becomes a doctor. Yeah. I mean I I I guess I fall somewhere between the two of you. As usual. I <laughs> I want to uh I wanted to go off into the world and learn how to be a doctor that way. I mean they always gotta leave the nest sometime, like you gotta set up on their adventure journey. She probably I'm assuming she does leave the village. Sorry, are we all in agreement that the mother is going to die within like the next the first ten episodes? I'm assuming so. Mm. If not, she's gonna like get removed. Ill certainly. Like the Damien is going to take her for his own benefit. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, I still think killed is more likely. In a uh, in a different show, she would have left by the end of episode two. And That's so I'm impossible. guessing at this rate, she's probably going to leave in like episode six. I mean, I guess the next question is like, how quickly does like Damia like try and like corrupt uh, <laughs> Erin? Because that would be like the next obvious <laughs> thing to do, right? If they like ah. I think they're too far away from each other as socially, social mm-hmm. position wise. So I think he's a lot more like a late game villain. She, she, she meets him here. He has something to do with her mother's death. Then we get about twenty five episodes where he's just in the background until he comes back to the front when they actually have their first real confrontation. Moribito, Nahoku Uihashi's other series that was adapted into a show in the mid two thousands by Production IG, um, sort of had a dynamic where you would follow the main character um, and her charge, who she's looking after, and then the like guy in the uh, government who was uh, investigating stuff separately. So I, I'm guessing that it's going to be like that because they. Uh, that guy kind of struck me as similar. Way more evil than the character in Morbito, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. The, yeah, the, the, main, the, the main thing, this thing, is it's clearly like a coming-of-age story in the middle of a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because we, we've seen the war, and there's mm-hmm. only going to be more of it. Um, and I'm guessing maybe there's going to be some relation of, of taking innocents and turning them into weapons and some comparison to soldiers there, maybe. I don't know. And probably solve the racism against the missed people. Yes. I do. I mean, I mean, this isn't the sort of show I would really do that in. Uh, that's that's the thing. It does. It's very firmly aimed at uh, the fam. It's very firmly stuck in the family show to, um, section. I guess. Mm. I I still think the strongest thing about the show is it's. It's actual not animation, so to speak, but it's background um, an art style, because all the background panels have this very rough style to it. They look like they're drawing a sketchbook, calling a sketchbook. The only issue is that while it's beautiful to look at, the characters really don't look like they belong. They look yeah. way too clean, like they look like anime characters, like a Ghibli characters who is just pasted on a sec- separate layer compared to the background, and all the objects they actually interact with are visibly different from everything else in the background art style wise 
even for even for anime characters, which go through a simplification process during adaption from uh, like the manga visual versions of things, because because most man most anime get is adapted from manga. Uh, like even by that standards, these are very simple uh, characters. Mm. They're not quite like we're not at crayon Shinchan levels, but we're 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 not that far off. <laughs> they they look like side characters from like a standalone complex. Like I think it gets highlighted more by the fact that they all have like very um, naturalistic colors, with the yeah. exception of like the mist people who have this green stick going on. Uh, it's just a lot of browns and blacks and very mm-hmm. muted uh, colors. The eyes on everyone else are just sort of these beady little black things. Yeah, they're all side characters. <laughs> uh, yes, the painterly, the painterly like crayon sort of looks like it could be in a uh, children's book picture book type uh, backgrounds are nice but mm. the uh, CG water being shoved into them isn't so, uh, isn't so yes good. yes it's quite bad the there's times when you just don't know a CGI and then there's times when there's just CGI water in the middle of what looks like a, a crayon drawing and you're like doesn't belong also in some of the wider shots when when the um, the the toda were doing like their formation drills and everything they were all CGI. Yeah, and they yeah, were yeah. moving at the same time. It, it looks quite awkward. Yeah, it's quite noticeable in the way that a lot of vehicle stuff from like the mid two thousands. It's just like, well, it's too hard to have like a car chase, so we'll we'll use CGI cars, and then they just. It's out. funny production idea very hit and miss with their CG uh, direction because um, standalone complex. I'll compare it to the ve- the CG vehicles in that feel much better integrated than these beasties, but I guess vehicles are easier to do. Like it's one of those cases where. Like it was, it was just unnecessary to have like the the water being like because like they they're doing it so they can have like animated realistic and that was just completely yeah. unnecessary for this. Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird choice. Occasionally, though, we get some very nicely animated. It was just a few seconds in the first uh, episode or so where the uh, Toda moving and attacking. Oh, it's every it's every time it's every time they attack it. Yeah goes into that like oh okay i hadn't actually i hadn't actually made that correction but I'm yeah not, i'm not sure how to describe it. it it looks like what the um what the art style looked like during the um during the prologue narration all the opening yeah yeah the opening is also very obsessed of an apple which is presumably a metaphor for growing up or something i feel like we've all there's no i don't really have anything to say on the Oh, the writing. Yeah, now you can go on your rant. You can talk about Beatropic, about uh, Beastronarian. Oh, yes, the, the, the fucking <laughs> subtitles. So whichever um, fan sub translated this, and I guess it's more of a problem with the, uh, the transliteration than the translation. But So you subtitle uh, Tycho as Grand Duke, okay? Um, that would annoy me a lot less if you didn't also subtitle Anue, which is just like um, brother uh, yeah. as Anue. It's an honorific. Ue means, hi- Ue means higher. It's an honorific. Yes. To be polite. Um, and then there's the other stuff, like calling the, the flowers capricide. Like, could you not think of a more creative translation than that? Even just goat weed or. That that would sound much more natural than capricide. Um, Absolutely. And then there's <laughs> benetrophic. They use a word for the the like baths that they make for the um, toda um, in Japanese, which basically just means special water, right? Mm. 
yeah, it's like a, a Tokuji Tsubi. Okay. And so the person who is making this uh, translation decided to use the word or make up the word benetrophic to describe the water. <laughs> benetrophic is not a real word. If you Google it, the only references are to this. <laughs> yes. Um, and it just sounds like nonsense, which is very weird considering how grounded the like actual show seems to be, ignoring the giant dragon uh, monsters. It's It sounds like a nonsense science word that you get in, like, well, not this kind of show, but like a, a trashy sci-fi anime, or yeah. indeed any sci-fi anime. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, stupid, pointless rant over. This this kind of thing took me out of the show. But once again, that's that's less to have to do with the show more than the, yes. the subtitling. Another thing that took me out. We already talked about the Final Fantasy music in that scene. <laughs> um, yeah, the music was a mixed bag. The like um, sort of folk music sounding uh, stuff with the. Um, the guitar and the I don't know what that thing is called. Uh, the flutes, the, those were nice and they fit the atmosphere. The sort of the <laughs> RPG battle music with the synth guitar and the synth drums fits much less <laughs> well. The music director has not done a lot of stuff, just mm. quickly checking that. Um, that's another thing. The the sound direction in general was kind of I know this is probably a bit unfair because we've had shows like Boogie Pop and uh, Ghost Town, which that's like one of the best things about them. So comparing it to those is definitely unfair. But you go from the first episode where it's all like mostly natural sounds, ignoring the noises that the baby Toad makes, and then in the second episode we've got cartoony sound effects as thingy rolls down the hill and bumps into the hay. When she gets pulled out, we get like a plop. That's another. It's not a choice I would have made. I guess I'll say it clashes the the cartoon. It, it clashes with like the grounded feel that this is supposed to trying to go mm-hmm. for. What else? I think I think that's covered everything I wanted to touch. Really, they had some like weird, just like cutouts to like other animals being shown that I just wasn't sure what they were going for. I think that was like the bird in the nest, like the little bird was supposed to be Aaron, and how there's danger out in the world, but this time it turned out fine. She's a chicken she's a chick in the nest who's being looked after by her mother, but eventually she's gonna have to become a fledgling and leave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Metaphors. It's it's fine. It's not like it didn't bother me. I've been I've been saying a lot. Does anybody else have anything? To... No, as I've said, there really just isn't much besides the art style that I feel like engaged me in this show or made me all that interested. It was fine. It was perfectly serviceable. And as a children's TV show, it's probably not that bad. I can see young children enjoying this, liking the crayons art style and enjoying Erin as a young child and kind of going on the journey with her. But... For me, this is just not something that I'm. I'd be interested in watching. I'd give this like two and a half to three stars because it's solid. There's nothing terrible about it, but I wouldn't give it any great reviews. Yeah. How about How about you, Frey? How many polish balls out of five? <laughs> well, um, okay. So I do like the grounded feel it's going for. It 
didn't achieve it because of problems with the art direction and the um the sound direction but whatever um i i like slow burn stuff i probably would have watched this as a kid but uh for a direct comparison with morbito which has a much more talented director um and is also slow paced but it used the slow pace like in a good way like it it actually felt like it was exploring the like anthropological aspects of its world which i don't think this did um so i guess they failed on that account given that that's something that the author is interested in one thing i did like having a mother and her daughter is very rare in media in general to be honest um and their relationship actually felt quite like nice and genuine but yeah other than that the political stuff um wasn't very wasn't very interesting to me uh so two and a half to three polish balls i guess Ian. Yeah, I think for me, this is very much a two polish ball show. Like for me, you were talking about like the politics, and politics is, I mean, that's the sort of shit I get, like, uh, that I want to watch. But like, and it's, it just, it wasn't there, and it just, I just don't really care. The comparison I want to make somewhere is I want, I would want to compare this with Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, in the, I feel like that's like they're both like sort of at the same level. I actually do think she's kind of like the Ang kind of uh, character more than like some of the others and just the like her precocity and her, well, we expect her to turn into a pacifist, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then you've got like a pseudo fantasy world with a, like a overarching political narrative. That's the comparison I want to be making it to. And that show is fantastic. Whereas this one is going to be forgotten about very quickly. Uh, Heard it gets better once you get more into the uh, the main story, but these episodes weren't great. If you want a better show by similar uh, creators, um, Morabito is pretty good. So Ian, what are we watching next week? So yeah, next week we're going to be watching uh, Saishu Heiki Kanojo, She the Ultimate Weapon. Uh, oh. A show that should not be confused with the other with Sai Kano, which is how to raise a boring girlfriend. <laughs> uh, we're watching a Gonzo thing from two thousand and two. That'll be fun. Uh, 